0: moment for taylor davis first
1: major league home run show and go with taylor davis for friday march 10th austin bryce part two austin bryce is uh currently living in old town scottsdale is that right you got family here so naturally you're getting away and you're on a little walk we see uh are those palms they have palms in arizona
0: uh, palms and cell phone towers disguised as palm trees.
1: Nice. Okay. Those are the best. Uh, Austin, yeah. how is how is spring in uh, AZ so far? Because you were in Florida last year.
0: Dude, to be honest with you, it's been weather wise, been freaking brutal. Um, it's freezing, right? It, yeah. Unreal. Like, I get out here, like, where's Al Gore when you need him? You know, like. <laughs> Where's, I wanna, where's this global warming? Because I want to know where it is so I can go there. Uh, yeah, it's been like, dude, when we drove out here going through the Garion Canyon, there was like two feet of snow. We get here, and I want to say maybe the first day or so, it was nice. But it's been freezing cold and windy the whole time. And I showed up for the very first time my entire career. I showed up, and there was legitimate snow on the fields. Nice. Showing up in the morning. So, uh, yeah, it's – dude, spring training, AZ this year, did not get off on the right foot. I'm hoping I just caught the uh, El Nino once a year BS because it was not fun. You got to experience, is, what, you warm down,
2: experience what you would have experienced at App State during a January in App State, walking onto the field mm. with some snow, you know, brushing it off to go play catch.
0: Brother, after we played in St. Paul last year to kick the year off, uh, I don't I don't think anything could compare to that. I think App State's a walk in the park.
1: Okay, so I actually want to ask both of you about that St. Paul series because I, I grabbed O'Neill Cruz by the cage when Indianapolis got back from that week in St. Paul, and it was brutal. Like it was you guys were wearing ski masks. It was Full it, blood.
2: Was winter. it was the coldest game in the history of the state of Minnesota.
1: <laughs> it was 20 degrees, right? It got down with, to 20? With, with
2: crazy wind chill.
1: I mean, so watching O'Neill, native of the Dominican.
2: You've st- never seen a human being colder than O'Neill Cruz was that weekend.
1: Dude, so I, I asked him, and I was just like, was that the, the worst baseball experience you've ever had? And he just nodded. He was like, Yes. Yes, no doubt. It was the
0: worst. It was the worst and coolest because then Chase Zhang almost threw a no hitter. Like, could have thrown a no hitter if they just let him go. Um, Ended up being a combined no hitter, and that was pretty awesome to be a part of that. But uh, the fact that we showed up to a day game and we had to call, I don't know who it would have been, the commissioner of something, minor league commissioner, whatever to just verify if we were even going to play a game that day because it was so cold. We almost got colded out. It was so cold.
2: We got colded and out so. the day before, and I've yeah. been colded out. That was my second colded out. I got colded out in Colorado Springs. <laughs> nice. But like, The other thing is, you know, and I think this is an interesting place to start, but like last year, talking about O'Neal, like there was a big question mark as to why O'Neal was even in Indy to start the season, and then he struggled to start the year. And, like, that was really early in the year. And, dude, it took him probably two weeks to get over that. Like, that was miserable for him, and it was difficult for him to play. But, like, if you go watch those at-bats, he was taking two strikes, not because he didn't care, but because he didn't want to swing. Like, it took him – and then and then now I will give him this. Like, that wasn't the smartest thing for him to do. But, like, I do think that it took him two weeks to get out of that, like, dude – I just took a week of at-bats off basically because it was 10 degrees. And, you know, the only reason we played that day was it snowed the day before and we got, we got snowed out and it didn't snow the day that we played. So they were like, oh, it's not snowing. You guys can play. Right. But it was 10 degrees colder.
0: Yeah. Right. Absolutely was- brutal, man. It was great for the pitchers to just throw, you just threw fastballs over the middle and, you got out great yeah
1: i i think a lot of people you know would look at that and say suck it up to a lot of people to a lot of players because you know hey you're playing professional baseball you're playing a game for fun and i know that from a player perspective you'll play if it's zero degrees if you're playing in the fall right if it's a 10 degree day in october or november these guys are going to play but how hard is it to like mentally buy in to playing a game like that in April? In in AAA. In AAA, how hard is that?
0: I mean, it absolutely stinks. I mean, it's like we you leave, you leave. uh, Well, we were in Bradenton, so you leave there. It's it's eighty degrees the whole time, and it's like you get to Indy. You know, it's it's I guess mild for Indiana, and then your very first road trip after five days, you're in the single digits. So the um,
2: beginning of that season. If you go look, I, I can't remember the exact, but go pull up like the first month of the first five weeks of that season was like uh Saint Paul, Indy, Toledo, Indy,
0: somewhere else cold. Yeah, it, it was I remember sitting in the locker room and staring, I don't know who it was, but staring at somebody, and I was like, dude, we need to find out whoever hell makes these schedules and uh and give them a call. Because we got absolutely laced at the beginning
1: of the season. Dude, yeah. So you were home at St. Paul, home at Iowa. And it was pretty cold then. Yes. And that's kind of where it stopped, right? You were in India again at the beginning of May, but then you were in Charlotte. Um, so not – like St. Paul Four was – Four weeks
2: were
0: tough. That was a tough
2: month.
1: Very tough month. But you know what? Yeah. You, you the, survived.
0: Yeah. So the Charlotte thing, the interesting thing about that too, is we had the absolute flight from hell coming oh out my of Charlotte. Oh God. I we, forgot it was, where it was. Yes. So, and so that, that's really the capper on that whole thing was, you know, <laughs> we, we, okay. We were finally a warm weather. We were in a beautiful Charlotte. And I remember we were flying out of Charlotte and we were sitting at the gate and, uh, our team video guy, whatever, slash travel agent, was like, oh yeah, there's a storm coming through. We might get delayed. And so we're sitting there and I think they were they were gonna delay us. They but canceled. then they're like ah, Yeah, they canceled it. But they're like, ah F it, you guys go. So we we fly out and the initial like I wouldn't say first because what I think it was like a two hour flight. The first hour was fine. You know, we're above the clouds. It was a little bit, you know, bumpy, whatever. But uh, then, you know, the the chime comes on. And it's like, all right, guys, uh, we're about to land. <laughs> uh, you know, when, like, the captain comes on it, he's unsure. It, it's not going to be good. He's like, yeah, we're about to land. It might be a little bumpy. And, I mean, we hit the clouds. And it's, an, it's like a freaking – it's like a cement truck. Dude, like, it was –
2: it was you should have seen the the faces of the foreign guys was like oh I, you ask anybody on that flight they'll tell you it was the worst flight they'd ever been on i kind of i'm not a huge like i don't get really freaked out cuz my thinking on a flight like that like with turbulence and stuff is like hit something hard like i don't want to limp away from this like right. if we're going, going down
1: we're going down like
2: yeah if we're going down a, if we're going to if we're going to crash like we're i'm i'm going like bye like <laughs> so be it. Like, I'm not going to freak out about you're it. You're at peace. Well, as gonna... soon as you
1: relinquish your life to the pilot, you're at peace. Yo,
2: know, I shoved yeah, a man, couple of gramamine on my throat and just went to went to work watching the rest of the team. I'm dying laughing. Like, the whole team is, like, holding onto their seats. Like, oh, my – you know, like it, it was
0: it – uh, we were made. we were at the dead back of the plane, too, so the, you could just feel the freaking just – the whole of the plane just twisting and like you feel the plane flexing like under the load of bottom of the you felt our back going from the i'm pretty sure the plane the plane bent and i saw the pilot texting from the back of the plane so (laughs) it's uh dude it was unreal man i just i don't i already like i'm not crazy about flying but the fact that we were just the absolute knuckleball express going home to cap the month from Charlotte was the real Tommy Topper right there.
1: So you say you're not, uh, you know, like flying's favorite f- f- Flying's favorite thing, right? Like flying is not your favorite thing. Have you ever gotten used to it? You know, you're probably traveling like that all the time. And I know you drove out to Arizona. Um, you spend a lot of time on buses in AAA, but when you get up to the bigs, you're constantly on flights. Is it easier when it's not commercial?
0: Uh, absolutely. Like, you're on, the, you're on a big league flight. Uh, you know, one, there's just the team uh, is on the flight. So uh, I feel like every single time you're in a commercial situation, it's always like a fully loaded plane, fully loaded everything, and then all of a sudden you hit, like, the absolute just highway to hell. It yeah. seems like in those situations, but yeah, those and, you know, you get turbulence in the big league plane. You get up, go grab a bag of chips. Like, it's, it's nothing, man. It's super laid back. So, um, and then I want to say, like, you know, ninety percent of the time, they're taking pretty direct routes as opposed to most commercial flights. I feel like have to take you have to take like a designated route, and what you get is what you get. So uh
2: I don't know enough about about fl- flying like that but I will tell you that I am a huge fan of bussing whenever you can because I I can sleep on a bus. I can sleep on a plane too, but like I've always said I thought it was funny that um so many guys like coming up through the system. Now obviously in the big leagues you want to fly everywhere. You go straight to the tarmac. If you're on a big if you're in a big market, you're getting police escorted to the tarmac. Uh right. you're getting on the plane, you're getting off the plane, getting on buses Getting tarmac to a five-star hotel, it's sick. Um, but if you're not in the big leagues, if you're flying in AAA, like, you know, coming up through the system, you're always like, dude, I can't wait to fly. I can't wait till we get AAA. But when I was in the PCL uh, and when Austin was there, there was a Ugh. league that you had to take the first flight available if you did not have a nonstop. Well, Des Moines doesn't have very many nonstops. Yeah. So we you were taking the first flight available everywhere, so all of our flights were at five thirty in the morning, six o'clock in the morning. I've said actually that a lot of people want to talk about why playing in Vegas is a is a perk, and I believe it is, and I think the biggest reason is because they got a nonstop everywhere. Yeah. You can go from Vegas to wherever you're going. You're going nonstop. You don't have to take the first flight available.
0: But like same thing with like Gw- Gwinnett as well. Even though Gwinnett, well, I right, the flying water... out of Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you are flying like, out of Atlanta every time. I would
2: much rather I would much rather jump on a bus and fall asleep for for ten hours, wake up wherever we are, than go to bed after a game at eleven, wake up at three to, to get to the airport at four, to get on a plane at six, to land uh at your home site at two, to show back up to the field at four and play the game at seven. Like that was not super fun.
0: Yeah, I had I had a few games where we, uh, where we were late. We missed our connector, and uh, you know we show up. This was in New Orleans. We showed up to the stadium, and there was you know it was 45 minutes before game time, and so we just rolled up in our suits and and uh, luggage half like half zombied out because you haven't slept in 24 hours.
2: The last and, uh, time left, like, the last time I left Vegas. There were two guys, uh, play two players playing craps until the bus at three fifteen in the morning, and they were on a they were on a hot stretch. This this they, the whole table was full. This dude had been rolling for two and a half hours, and they 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 had said they're like, hey, honestly, if we don't if like if he doesn't crap out, we're just gonna we're just gonna get our own flight. Like we're gonna keep going. <laughs> and he crapped out right before the bus took off. They ran upstairs, grabbed their bags, ran back down, jumped on the bus, jumped on the flight.
1: Man, that's good. Because he that's could how afford it, it. it if he was on a heater.
2: Exactly. Um, oh yeah.
1: Bryce, are you a
0: basketball guy at all? No. Okay. Not at
1: all. Uh, you not, know, the name? not
0: even the not even the least
1: bit. Do you know the name Taco Fall? Probably not that. He's the seven six dude that like bounced around with the Celtics and all that. Taylor, you know that name, right? Yeah. So Taco Fall, massive, massive human being. I think I was in Charlotte and the G League kind of operates in terms of travel the same way as minor league baseball does. And I see, I think he was playing for the like the Celtics G League affiliate in Maine, and I see 7'6", 300-pound Taco Fall getting ready to board a commercial flight from Charlotte to Boston. That is like a miserable way to exist. And, and I I totally understand the plight of you know, NBA players and like travel taking it out of them. Um, obviously, I, I hear your preference for the bus, Taylor, but I mean, how tough does it get in the slog of a big season? I'm sure that off day on Monday
0: now helps a ton.
2: Oh, that is a yeah, I mean, game changer.
0: Yeah, the 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 new structure, the five games, it stinks because, you know, you you basically, you see an entire team multiple times in five days, which stinks, but uh, in terms of, you know, recovery and stuff like that, it, it really can't be set up any better. I'd much rather have that Monday off and, and uh, use that day to bounce back from travel or whatever it may be and, you know, just play the next five-game set as opposed to before it was three games, three games, three games, and, you know, you're on and off a plane getting no sleep. And uh, my thing with the PCL was like, I feel like it was legitimately designed to uh just absolutely tear you down. If you can make it through a PCL season, you can make it through anything. Yeah,
2: yeah I I I'll tell you what's kind of neat. I don't know if you've looked into this at all, but like um the new XFL, how they're doing their travel. Have you seen all that? in Arlington? Right. That's right. And then they're flying out to the city. They're flying out to the city for the game and then flying back.
0: Oh. yeah it's so, great like, you can do you can do that in football tight.
2: yeah it's tight but i will tell you this i do like the monday thing not only for recovery but like because you know that you have every monday off uh you can schedule like i can schedule stuff i can go home like if i have a day game on sunday i can get a flight home and come back and meet the team tuesday morning except for some of those teams that are booking sunday night night games which they can do now because sunday's not a travel day technically because monday's the travel day um like, you know, I think that's kind of tough. I've like my only my only comment there is I have always said I don't really care. I, I can't really hate on what a minor league team does Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday because that's when they make their money. So, like, I can't really hate on you for that. Um, but if if you know we're going far away and you're booking a night and you're having a night game when in the, you know, I don't know, middle of May when there's gonna be nobody there to begin with, like, that's tough you know give us give us a chance to get home for sure
1: yeah uh austin i am reserving the last like 10-15 minutes for any conspiracies that you want to dive into but let's talk baseball for a little bit Uh, you're in a new org arizona arizona is one of the more exciting teams in major league baseball this year i think because they're so young they're so talented before we started recording we talked a little bit about your first you know, impressions of Corbin Carroll. You've been around guys like Alec Thomas, who's now going to play for Mexico in the WBC. Um, obviously, you've got Evan Longoria in that clubhouse now, too, for the veteran presence. But I, I want to start with the pitching because they have so many starting pitching prospects that feel like they're ready to go, whether it be Fott, whether it be Dre Jamison, whether it be Ryan Nelson, Tommy Henry, Blake Walston is knocking on the door as well give me like your gauge on the overall talent level among like the pitchers that you're seeing in camp right now.
0: Uh, I mean, it's through the roof. Uh, I, we talked about this before, you know, the, the show started. Um, I've never been, you know, it's, it's tough to be impressed with this many young arms. And uh, I think that's, that's the case right now. It's just like every single guy I see that takes the mound is, you know, got elite level stuff and uh, shows, shows like, you know, that maturity that you want to see in younger pitchers to uh, command the zone and uh, just be level headed out there. Um, I think that's been above and beyond as well. Um, You know, I haven't seen all the arms, but the ones that I have seen have been, have been really good.
1: Anybody in particular jump out?
0: Um you know hey so my my really good buddy uh Scott McGuff I played with him in the in the Marlins organization um you know I haven't seen him pitch in uh obviously what I think he's been over in Japan for 3 or 4 years now yeah. um he's you know he had three punches today but uh I feel like you know he's he's obviously gotten older and stuff but since the last time I've seen him, he's gotten so much better, and his stuff is just unreal right now as a reliever. Um, I think you know he's a guy that I've spent a lot of time around. Um, I know that's not as uh, prospecty as you would like. Yeah, to way hear, to plug your
2: buddy. Now that you're yeah. done, your buddy. Who's the best prospect that you've seen throw?
0: I don't know, man. I really don't. They have all they have all been solid. There hasn't really been a sore thumb of, ah, maybe the, it's like, I haven't had that feeling of, ah, maybe this guy needs to maybe start the year in AAA. Yeah. Like
2: hey, it has a- been
0: yeah. impressive.
2: Now I'll tell you one, one cool thing that you said about them, like all having maturity could play a huge role for the Arizona Diamondbacks because I've always been a huge fan of Carson Kelly. I think Carson Kelly is a really good player. Um, and I, I think he's a good guy, a good player. I think he does a lot of stuff really well, but we all know, that most likely the lion's share of that playing time is going to go to, to Moreno. So like the fact that these guys have that maturity um, will be huge for him because we've talked about this on the show, Jack, but like I, I really think that a tough thing for a, a team to do is ask a young catcher to catch a lot of young starters. And yeah. you know, you have to be able to trust your starters uh, and your catcher, but you have to be able to trust your starters, especially now that you know, the starters are going to call some of their own pitches. Um, Having that maturity level is going to be huge for those, for those prospects.
1: So Taylor play manager for a minute here. It, obviously like you've got a veteran presence at the top and Zach gallon is like a one in major league baseball. So gallon probably doesn't matter who he's throwing to, whether it's Kelly or Moreno, but a Merrill Kelly, you probably want him throwing to Moreno, right? Because that's a veteran guy knows what he's doing Versus when you get to the back end and you're dealing with like a Ryan Nelson or maybe a fought a month into the year, you would want Carson Kelly catching him.
2: Absolutely. And here's what I'll say too, is like, I would almost let Zach gallon choose probably because he is the clear cut one. I'm going to let him have the option. If I'm a manager, I would ask him to probably throw to Moreno because yes, gallon has very good stuff, but gallon's a really good pitcher. Like, He's got good stuff. He knows where he wants to put it and he knows what he wants to do. So like I'd ask him to throw to Moreno at least to start the season. But at the end of the day, he's going to have the choice. He's my number one. Uh, I would absolutely want Merrill Kelly thrown to Moreno every single time to try to get that feel, that understanding. Um, And then I'm going to let Carson Kelly kind of work with my, with my best young arms. Like I want that guy who's and you know, the thing with Carson Kelly too is he's not just a really good catcher and a, a really good guy. Like he was around some really talented arms, and obviously one of the greatest of all time behind the plate in St. Louis before he got to Arizona. So he's got a lot of mental, a uh, mental work that he's put in, especially considering he's a converted guy to begin with. Uh, he he's put a lot in, and I, I think he's extremely valuable to any team that he's with. And I hope that they keep him and let him uh, really really dive in with that staff.
0: Yeah, Austin, yeah, you've been Moreno. So that's what I was gonna say. I got I got the chance to throw to Kelly, and it was it was absolutely a treat, man. You know, it's he saw me for the three or four warm up pitches I threw, and I made sure to throw my entire mix out there so he could get a look. And uh, I think I threw two pitches to the first batter, and I felt like he already knew what I wanted to do. So, um, you know, it was I haven't thrown to Moreno yet, uh, but it was it was a lot of fun throwing to uh, to Kelly. Cool oh, man.
1: Man. All right. Um, I know Taylor wants to ask about Corbin Carroll. And I know that you said you, you haven't necessarily been around him much on the backfields or anything like that, but just being in the dugout, being the pen, watching this dude play on a daily basis. Uh, is that like enjoyable for you? Like how much fun is watching that guy play baseball up close and personal?
0: So I think, you know, now that I'm older, it's something I could I could never point out when I was like a younger player, and I think a lot of it was just being naive and, and dumb and thinking that nobody was better than me. But uh, but you can really tell some of these guys uh, when they're out there, just the type of players they're going to be, and uh, just a little bit that I've seen of them. Extremely composed individual. Uh, doesn't it doesn't seem like he takes like baggage with him. So bad at bat, runs it out, comes back in, plays the outfield. Can't even tell anything happened. Um, and I mean, that speaks volumes. If I can, if I see composure in a young in a young player, that's like that's elite. Um, because we all know in this game that talent only gets you so far, and sheer mental capacity and being able to do the day to day grind and knowing that you're going to see light at the end of the tunnel. You can be that guy and be a young player. You're gonna be. You're gonna have a good, a good career. Honestly, uh, that
2: that that team, that defense is gonna be really fun to pitch for because that outfield's gonna be very talented. I, Josh Rojas, to me, is a guy that I look to to really bloom this year. I know he's had some good years. I really liked playing against him in the minor leagues. As far as like, I thought he was a really good player. I thought he was a guy that when they traded for him, I thought that was a great pickup. Obviously, it is. Like you're seeing it now, right? That was probably the best piece that they got out of that trade. Um Christian Walker is the best defensive first baseman in baseball. Yep.
0: And then you're going to oh, have yeah. He's he's, he was, he's already made plays that have been just absolutely bonkers. Like just the it's picks so and stuff play. he has at first base is just unreal.
2: It's going to be a fun team to pitch for because you're going to have some and you know this that's a team that's not going to get hurt by the the lack of shifts because that team is super athletic.
0: And it's funny you say that. Dude, I haven't even noticed that that was even a rule. You know, I think that's – and, uh, you know, you see – I think I've seen a lot more, like, flares and, and little punchy hits and stuff like that. But, honestly, I got to ask that question the other day. The shift thing, I really don't think it's going to change that much. Um, did you, you – know, Did you a
2: hand- the Joe Kelly interview about the time clock? Has anybody seen that?
0: No. Joe no. Kelly was
2: just on a podcast – And they, they asked him about the clock and he was talking about how, like, if he knows a guy's already used his, his timeout, that he may like drop the ball in hopes that the guy steps out and is not in the box in time and is automatically called out. Like, um, you're going to see some stuff. And he talked about like, dude, I, I sit up at night and try to figure out ways to do this.
0: Um, which is interesting, but I mean, you see that with Scherzer and the quick pitch thing. Yeah. Um. I mean, if, dude, if if the if the rules aren't written down, then it's every man for themselves at that point. You know what I mean? So, it's it's complete discretion at that point. So I think that's where. Wow. Well, hey, buddy. Uh. Did you see a dog doggy? Came out. Came out to stay ahead. Um, complete discretion at that point. See, like the umpire didn't call him the one day, calls him the next day. So, you know, there's just there's too many loose ends with all these rules. Um, can probably put a lot of people into into trouble. So, how do you
1: feel as a guy that like worked with it all of last year, know how you operate within it, and seeing a lot of these major leaguers almost like shell shocked by it, and like these umpires not really knowing. How they're how they're administrating it like really what they're doing when it comes to enforcing it.
0: Well I mean you can't you can't argue literal results right I mean Taylor can tell you that this games were 35 45 minutes faster which mm. which is huge you know it's like you, you can't argue that it's that's that's proof that's fact that, that is what it is.
2: Well, the games um, are more. The games are more fun to watch. Like yes. I really think that. Like yeah. you're 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 cutting downtime. You know, like you're still gonna have long innings when you have long innings. It's not like there's a run rule. There's not like a run limit. Like you're just yeah. not gonna see Pedro Baez walk around the mound for 45 seconds in between pitches. So I, yeah, I, it, I, it
0: has it, created, it, It's created like a crispness to pitching now that like guys are getting the ball going. And I think, uh, you know. I think as as b- baseball players, as professionals, that you're you're able to ad- adapt, and if you can't, then the game's just gonna That's eventually hard. shell you out.
1: I, I want to go back to a game that you guys played in Charlotte, and you probably remember this. It was Indy at Charlotte last year, and it was like I think 18 combined walks, like 20 combined runs in that game, and it took two hours and 57 minutes. That's undeniable. That's a four-hour game without a pitch clock here. So from from somebody that's like not there, like playing it or watching it from the dugout, obviously I'm saying, wow, this is a blessing that these games are moving along because Taylor, like you hit the nail on the head there. It's cutting non-baseball time. Um, For the fans, for me who's sitting up, you know, in the press box or in the booth, like looking down on it, it's great. Do you guys feel rushed at all? Do you feel like you're getting like, Jipped out of time to operate at your best
2: well charlotte charlotte was <clears throat> that fast because of the zone charlotte had the abs um, i love the
0: abs by the way so let me tell you on that l- you let do? me say that
2: the the yeah, abs
0: okay i, yeah, I want to go back to
1: that after you taylor
2: no like, yeah we're gonna talk about it. we're gonna go straight to the abs because i i despise it being a catcher being <laughs> a guy that made my money on receiving i think but but here's why i don't like it i don't like it because it it i truly believe that catching was one of the most unique positions in all of sports due to the receiving aspect of it and i think you're taking that away and i i, I don't like that about the game but man were those games faster and like if nothing else you just didn't have got well most people just weren't yelling at the umpire except for Yerman Mercedes that got thrown out because he was arguing balls and strikes. But, like, you didn't have guys yelling at the umpire or, like, questioning the umpire, and and the umpires were in better moods. Like, the whole thing was was just slightly better. Now... Let me give you this. This is one interesting topic, and I bring it up to every pitcher that says that they like it, the A-B-S because I believe it.
0: Turned, it turned me into Nolan Ryan, too, if I had to uh, <laughs> chime in as well because it gave me the entire upper arm side portion of the zone that I never get as a sidearm oh. guy because that ball looks – coming out of my hand, it looks like a ball when the catcher catches it, but it's in the zone, and I, I rarely get it. Um, you know, my first game of spring – this year, uh, I threw three end zone arm side strikes that all got called for balls, and uh, it in you know in Charlotte I got it every single time, and um, that's that's always nice, like having the actual zone open to you every quadrant of it, and it is what it is. There's no arguing, and there's no uh, there's you know it, Here, it, it's super nice. There's no here's, here's, like weird discretions.
2: Here's the issue with that is that I, I don't disagree with you. Your anecdotal that that absolutely happened. But let me tell you this, the history of the game, there have been more balls that have been called strikes than strikes that have been called balls. So pitchers have historically gotten more pitches than hitters have gotten. So this is going to hurt pitchers in the long run because of that. I can't steal a strike. Now, I also say, I've always said that I think the best catchers in baseball, Jose Trevino being one of them, right. I don't think he necessarily gains the most strikes. I think he loses the least amount of strikes. And, but at the end of the day, you go watch old games like Greg Maddox was getting calls, balls called off the ball like that far, right? Like that was happening. You're not getting a pitch called down the middle, it's not called a ball. And, and I think that pitchers that, that want the zone uh, very few of them are going to get better because of that outside of the fact that you know what the zone is
1: but the type of pitcher that gets better with abs is the one that throws like austin bryce right where like (laughs) a third of the zone is off limits for you
2: yeah Yeah, i mean that that helps and and you know the thing that you're gonna get right you're gonna get the ball that you meant to throw inside that you threw outside um now let me give you this too like here's my take on the zone right right now all the ball has to do is clip one part of the zone the zone in charlotte was far too large it was a baseball and a half on both sides it's too big that's just too big of a plate pitchers will be able to dominate that if i just have to touch it my thought with the strike zone is that And I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to tell you how to do this. I'm not technologically savvy enough. But I think that the ball needs to stay in the window, in the strike zone, for a certain amount of time. It needs to be a 3D zone, like you see on on, when they show the replay on TV. And the ball needs to have to stay in that zone for a certain amount of time. Otherwise, all pitchers are going to do, as they should, as we just heard Austin talk about, is they're going to figure out ways to just barely nick the zone on the top, the bottom, the right, and the left on pitches that are going to be unhittable. I think everybody remembers the, the Jacob Hayward at-bat in the fall league when the ball basically hit the ground and he got called strike three. Like, there's nothing wrong with guys figuring out how to do that if they can, but that shouldn't be a strike. The definition of a strike is a ball that can be hit And I've all, like I've said for years that I felt like the, the ball up, I don't think we've called the ball up enough because that's a ball I can hit. I think the ball up is harder, is easier to hit than the ball down realistically as far as just making contact.
0: Um, yeah. For damage, especially.
2: But like, I do think that I do think that there still needs to be some adjustments made. Um, and and mainly just on how long the ball stays in the zone. I think there needs to be like, Hey, it's gotta be in the zone for either this amount of distance or this amount of time. Um, like I said, I don't know what that is, but you know, I I don't think we're that far from the zone coming in either. Interesting.
0: I love it.
1: <laughs> Agree
0: to disagree. <laughs> uh, all right. Greatest greatest invention on the planet for me.
1: <laughs> we we've hit the point of the program where I want to open the floor to you and anything that uh is is grinding your gears in particular. Uh, what, what's going on in the uh, mind of Austin Bryce that we got to talk about? This is good because uh, I feel like we've been very baseball heavy, Taylor, so far in the pod's oh, history. Yeah. We're going to get non-baseball for the last like 10, 15 minutes here.
0: Love that. Going on in my head right now. I wish you wouldn't. I wish there was a segue into just a complete side argument right now. Um, I don't know. What do you want to know? How about this? Let's open up before we this. What do you guys want to know?
1: Taylor, what do you want to know?
2: Uh, what is the best restaurant that you've eaten at this year in spring training? Cause I'll tell you
0: this, uh, underrated. Zips guy went what? to zips, went to zips. Okay. Uh, had, had zips for the first time. I think a couple days ago has, and have gone back three, two, three times since. Have you done oregano? So, done oregano? See, I'm not a big Italian guy. So like, even if it's really good, I'm not going to, I can't give it a chance. Um, Okay. But bar nice. bar food huge, Mexican food huge. Um,
2: have you done I went have to you culinary
0: done culinary dropout. dropout. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was that was, that was elite. Um, Best atmosphere. So,
2: I mean, the food's good. The food's good, but the atmosphere and culinary dropouts as good as anywhere you'll ever
0: go. Yeah, it's just it's just got a vibe all to itself. Um, but no, it's uh, it's it's been good so far, and if I feel like honestly on the Old Town Strip right there. I've been to just about every one of those. And that's more atmosphere than it is like good food. I rather would just go get good food and not pay as much as opposed to pay a premium just because you're in the atmosphere that you're in. So um it seems like I got to travel outside of town to really get something good.
1: Yeah. Um What was your go-to spot in Indy last year?
0: Let's see. So I had a there was a Mexican restaurant right next to uh, my apartment that was kind of like in a strip mall hole in the wall, and we all know those are the best places to go. Uh, yeah. My my favorite food's Mexican food, so I just went there and crushed that all the time, and it's it's cheap, and uh, that's that's where my satisfaction lies is like just getting quality food. And there's even this this place tacos, tacos Jalisco. Like next to a seven eleven, like the signs falling off of it. And uh you look at it and you're like, I don't know. Next to a laundromat, go in there. I've I've already gone there about seven times. So uh nice. Yeah, it, it just seems like the little hole in the wall, family owned type of stuff is, is is where you need to go. Gotcha. Uh
2: fuzzies, have you done fuzzies?
0: No fuzzies yet.
2: I love fuzzies.
0: Uh <laughs> you look fuzzy.
2: What about uh El Jefe? I like El Jefe.
0: El Jefe. I, I went to Mission right here in town. Okay. Yeah. Um Mission I, I really can't cool. get Yeah, I can't get into fancy Mexican food though. It's just it just El doesn't Jefe's do it for me. Well no, not no. El Jefe, but Mission kinda is. Right. At least the Scott the Scottsdale one is.
2: Mountain bike? You been mountain biking?
0: I have, don't tell anybody.
1: Yeah, are you? Yeah, are you, I went. You just said it on a podcast that's going to go out.
0: Yeah, but uh, no. So I went <laughs> like the first two weeks. First two weeks, I went in Sedona, uh, went mountain biking. Whenever I got here, went to South Mountain, which is where uh, a lot of uh, mountain. Well, I want to say like pivot name drop. Um, you guys can edit that out later, but uh, they do most of their like R and D work there, and it's it's intense um probably shouldn't have gone out there for the sake of injury <laughs> but uh I, it's an I had i i had to do it man i'm too much of an adventurer spirit to uh not go do something like that okay but so... as of late i haven't really gone man i haven't had the legs underneath me after you know being at spring training from you know seven to four and like i get home man i'm like i just crash
1: so so follow up here and and real baseball question. What do you do to clear your head when you got to clear your head during a regular season? Just talk
0: it out. Um, I've always been the talk type of guy. Where like I I need to get it out of my my system. Um, I don't like bottling stuff up, and so like like out of the gate gave up five runs in spring training. And I'm like trying to make a squad. I'm 30 years old, you know like. it it is what it is but like i was so freaking angry after that happened um that i i just like end up calling like a buddy and i was like you're my vent i was like just get ready dig in because i got a lot for you Vented it all out and uh, i did that to taylor plenty of times last year i'm sure he didn't want anything to do with it but I'd, i'd be like i'm venting taylor so you just stay there don't say a thing and so uh that's, that's what I do, man. I just get it out. Once it's out, it's out. I leave it out in the world. Um, I've, I've never really told anybody this, but I don't, I don't think I will, but I'll tell you the story. I won't tell you who told it to me. But I remember I had a super crappy game, and uh, I came in, and I'm sitting at the uh, one of the lunch tables. This is in the big leagues. And super crappy game. Probably was about to get sent down because I wasn't doing well. And uh player comes over very, very good player comes over, sits down and goes, how you doing? And like, in my head, I was like, one, why is this one? Why is this guy sitting with me? I'm over here sitting by myself, like Steven Glansberg." And this guy comes over and talks to me. He's like, you know, how you doing? I was like, well, you know, I'm fine. And he goes, yeah. He's like, I don't know if you are. I was like, I'm not, I didn't do that, but inside I was like that, Um, but yeah, he was like, dude, he's like, I always struggled with the same exact thing you're going through, he's like, the only way that you can face your fears, or whatever it may be, is to accept them, and like, I never really looked at anything that way, but like, to almost like, meet it head on, and be okay with it, is uh, what's helped me out a lot, so like, you know, doing bad, let's say you go out and you give up a walk-off home or did that a couple times, you know. It's like come inside and be like, well, that was great, you know, and I'm going to go out and do what I need to do. And But, there was, you know, there's times I was just like, hey, let's go do it again. You know, let's I, go do it again. I'll do it again. And so that's what's really helped me through this back part of my career is just facing it, facing it head on, being okay with it. And yep. welcoming it even more. You know, it's like I wanted to get back out there. I was like, you know what? Do it again. Welcome yeah.
2: failure. Let's hit go. a homer
0: off me, please. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh,
2: I'll, I'll tell you this. I actually have said that, Uh, like, so in 2019, I went through an 0 for 49. I went a calendar month, over a calendar month without getting a hit because I, like, got called up in the middle of this. My wife was uh, eight months pregnant. I got a hit the day before she left. She left to go home to give birth, and I didn't get a hit until the day before I went home to see my son be born. And crazy. I mean, I'm you want to talk about a mental zoo and, like, what I was going through and what I tried. Good Lord. But looking back on that, I tell players, like, what is this sc- – as an offensive player, what's the scariest thing you can possibly think of? Not getting a hit for a month. I did it. I lived through it. I played, <laughs> another, I played another four seasons. Like, like, like you said, like it's there. Like, so what? You know, like it's gonna happen. You're going, you know, Jack. We just talked about this with Aram. Like, you're going to fail. What happens when you fail? Yeah. The question isn't
0: you, you want you it. You want fail. it even more. And you the question want it isn't even are more. you going
2: to fail. It's it's what's going to happen after that, and it says a lot about a player. Um, all right, I got one. I want your favorite conspiracy theory. Like, your favorite current conspiracy theory.
0: Yeah. What an absolute Alice in Wonderland. I mean, I'll selection. give you one. I'll
2: give you mine. I'll give you mine. Did you follow the Murdoch trials at all? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah.
0: That was... I
2: think, I think Murdoch I mean, didn't come on. do it. But I think that he knows who did. And I think it was... Uh, I think there's a, a far deeper connection here. I do think he knows I don't think he had a part in it I think he had to watch Mm. I think he was in in deep and I don't think it was because of his oxycodone
0: (laughs) I think to to be honest with you in situations like that I think guys that have killed before don't mind doing it again and so I think uh how absolutely stale-faced he was during the trials and, and during those documentaries, I think that, that just about says it all. You know, the guy looked like he had not a care in the world. And uh that's tough. That's that's hard. Whether you, you did it? it or not. That's whether you did it or not, you know, that's that's unreal. Are you following it, Jack?
1: No, not at all. You need do you know what I'm talking about? I do, but like I'm not I'm not deep in the weeds.
2: You need to go. You
0: need to go watch. You need to go watch. Three, I, so I a series. Easy watch. You, you can know, go it watch It starts that. out slow, but it, it gets you in. I okay. haven't even watched. I haven't
2: even watched the Netflix. I watched the court. Like, I watched the case. And, like, mm. what, what Austin just said, I called my mom today, and I was like, you need to go watch videos from the case because watching how he reacts and how he acts during the case and how he speaks, it's scary. Like that dude is terrifying.
0: All right. Okay, I want to be the most. Let me get one more. I want to be the most non-like side-picking in this situation. But so my my conspiracy right now are those the UFO weather balloons? Those, oh, the spy balloon. Are,
1: yeah, the Chinese yeah, spy, the balloon. spy
0: balloons. Yeah, yeah. We can we can sit all day and talk about that. I don't want to be picking sides or you know stirring up any pots right here, but. I think that was a classic case of hey look up there and then you know other you know stuff's going on below, below your uh below your feet um that's that's my latest conspiracy it's hard not to get too many uh g-rated conspiracies out of me that don't involve you know government and all that crap yeah but uh yeah the, the Murdoch thing dude that guy's so guilty just, like I, I could smell it through the TV. That guy's guilt. Like. It's just, it's sickening that people can be that cold hearted and, uh, and do stuff like that. It's unreal.
2: You're home now. It's, it's time to, it's time to go home.
1: Austin Bryce, you're the man. Thank you very much for joining us. And, uh, part three will happen at some point soon. I'm sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I'm sorry. I didn't uh have that much baseball content for you guys. I think I'm very, uh, I'm very like tit right now because I I don't really you know, I don't really know everything. Everything's kinda in the in the laundry form right now. So. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to have strong opinions about one or the other. So I think give me another month, see where I'm at, and you know, we'll go from there.
1: Actually, uh before you go, I need a sweeping strong opinion on the bigger basis. Do you love them, you hate them? They're the worst thing to ever happen to the game, right?
0: Uh I think they're I think they're completely irrelevant, is what I think. <laughs>
1: yeah see that's think, not what i was looking for i was looking for love him him.
0: <laughs> no i'm i'm a big strike zone automated strike zone guy uh i love that i think it needs to be a thing i think yeah uh,
2: got bigger too Baylor, your job's irrelevant
0: bigger. baby <laughs> yeah but the base situation like come on like what do we do once you took once you took away the slide rule like that was completely irrelevant anyways i guess maybe you're trying to avoid a base runner stepping on a guy's ankle going to first but that's like that's like once in a in a a solar eclipse situation i feel like so uh again i think it's just completely just one more thing to throw in in the bunch to just make it seem crazy all right my man we'll talk to you soon cool guys thanks for having me on